0: I invite you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7 for our scripture reading. I'll begin reading at verse 10. Verse 10 through 17 will be the text this evening. Isaiah 7 verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. Nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know how he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. The Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house, days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah. Thus far the reading of God's word. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we approach Christmas and the Christmas season, there are so many changes that happen around us. Around this time of year, the music in stores changes. Lights in the, in the houses and outside the houses change. Decorations, even in the city, change as well. Even these changes are reflected in our churches. We start singing different songs. The church calendar takes a shift. As, as we look once again to the importance of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're amazed. It seems year after year at the wonder of it all. For it is a, a story, an account, a historical event that never ceases to amaze. Year after year there are new things for us to see. There are new reminders about us. Perhaps it is that year after year, as we get older, we're we're asking different questions upon the text. The situations of our life are are different, and so the text is a is addressing those, granting hope, giving assurance, giving warning, great teaching. Once again, it is a an account that never gets old, does it? And it's good to remind ourselves. Year after year, that what Christ had done, what God had done in Christ, was foretold already. It was not a secret. It was something that was, that was planned. And here, in our text, God gives the sign of Emmanuel to Ahaz. We'll see this as God gives the sign of Emmanuel through a presented sign, a particular sign, and finally through a consequential sign. You can see the theme and and the points there in the bulletin if you wish to follow along as well. And we'll go through this passage together. But First, let me explain what I mean about God giving the sign of Emmanuel to Ahaz as a presented sign. You see, God comes and, and he gives an opportunity through his prophet to Ahaz to choose a sign for himself. He presents, you might say, a sign opportunity to the king. And we can see God's presented sign opportunity. It begins there at verse, at verse 10 when God spoke to Ahaz. The Lord speaks to Ahaz. And think about the person that God is addressing here. Ahaz means has possessed has possessed. That's what his name means. One writer suggests that his name is is likely shortened in the text from um, Jehoahaz means the Lord has possessed. Jehoahaz means the Lord has possessed, and Ahaz just means has possessed. Apparently there's some historical discoveries from the Assyrians that has a a record of a king named Jehoahaz paying tribute to the Assyrians. Many believe that this Jehoahaz in the Assyrian record is this king, Ahaz, here. Now, whether it is this Ahaz or not, it is interesting that his name does not include the name Jehovah or or the Lord. It's just has-possessed. The name of the Lord is not in his name. The name of the Lord is not in his reign. And we know from Second Kings 16, Ahaz was an ungodly king. He sacrificed on the high places. He had a bronze altar made for the temple, and he placed it on the temple grounds. He gave gold and silver from the temple to the king of Assyria so that that king would deliver him from the attacks of Syria and, and Egypt, or Syria and Israel, rather. Ahaz, then, he's, he's trusting in these negotiations, in, in the power and the prosperity of, of political survival and hell. And if you read from Second Kings 16, you find an idolatrous, a troubled, a godless reign in King Ahaz. He's a man of false faith, false faith in in worldly principalities and worldly powers. And he's the father of Hezekiah, the king that would have many reforms, but the king under whose reign Jerusalem would ultimately fall. Ahaz trusts in the alliance between Judah and Assyria. And in the first part of, of Isaiah 7, God assures Ahaz that they will be preserved from the attacks of Israel and, and Syria. And now here he gets a sign, a sign of that deliverance. What sign would Ahaz want? Think about God's offer. Think about the offer for a moment. We remember God has offered certain things to uh, to Solomon, for instance. Solomon, remember, he, he asked for wisdom. He's given, as it were, any, any gift. He, he asks for wisdom. And if God offered you, as it were, any, anything you want, any kind of sign you wanted. Now, children, think about this. If, if God asked you, what, what do you want? What would you choose? What is the deepest desire of your heart? What, what would pay the most benefit through your life? What would be of most valuable? What would give you? The greatest return. Would you be satisfied with God's gift of wisdom? I don't mean worldly wisdom. I mean I mean true biblical knowledge of the world in which we live in and the ability to use a sharp understanding in all of life. Would you be satisfied with godly wisdom? If God asked you what sign you wanted, what sign would convince you? What, what sign would satisfy you and me? What sign of God's faithfulness, a sign of His, of His promise would hold you secure, would be an assurance for you and for me? When danger is at the door, when, when things look to be stacked against you, so to speak, your, your life is threatened, it seems as though this is the end. What sign from God would be sufficient for us? God asks him to name a sign. It's a challenge. Ask. Seek. Look. Here's a sign opportunity from the Lord. And it's as though nothing here is off limits. Look at the text. Ask either in the depth or in the height above. Another translation says, let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. As deep as the grave. As high as heaven above. What would you ask for? To see one like Lazarus raised from the dead. So surely will God keep your life? Would that be a sign that would sustain us? Or, or perhaps Isaiah's own vision of the Lord sitting upon the throne in, in chapter six and the angels crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Could not God also grant such a vision to Ahaz? The offer is comprehensive, right? What would you like? What would satisfy? What's an adequate sign of deliverance? How would we answer? What sign of deliverance would satisfy us? And Ahaz, his answer, his answer is the answer of an unbelieving fool. He says he's unwilling to put God to the test. That's quite interesting because Jesus tells the devil, remember when he's tempted, not to test the Lord your God. It's a biblical principle then, not to put God to the test. But it's also interesting, throughout Jesus' ministry, he's constantly giving signs and and miracles to prove to, to John's disciples that he is the Christ, the one he claims to be one time. He's asked to give a sign and he won't do miracles. Instead, he gives a different sign. He points back to another prophet. Remember the prophet Jonah? And he gives, he gives the sign of, of Jonah. And he calls the Jews to repent. He warns them that the Ninevites will judge them for the Ninevites repented. Ahaz doesn't want to test God. Sounds so pious. Sounds humble. Sounds so religious. But it's, It's unbelief. God offers a sign. He's wearied by the response. Look at what it says. Hear now, O house of David. He doesn't even acknowledge Ahaz's name. House of David. It opens it up now to to the audience, to the court, as it were. As if to say, now all of you, not just the king, all of you, now listen, hear this. Is it too little for you to weary men that you must also weary God? And there's a a type of contempt here in Ahaz answer. Let me let me illustrate this. Have, have you seen this type of contempt before? See, I I heard of someone who who received a, a family heirloom Bible. You know the type that's that's handed down from fathers to the oldest son throughout the generation. Maybe you've seen these. Some of them go back hundreds of years. Well, this one did. Apparently. Went back to about the time of the, of the Reformation. It was one of, one of those Bibles printed on a printing press when the paper's old. The book had hinges in it. Perhaps you've seen the type. Well, the story this one person told me was that his older brother got the family Bible and he sold it. They put it on, on eBay and, and he sold it. He didn't offer it to the other siblings. He didn't, didn't seem to care much about it. A, a Bible—it's a symbol. This man said of of God's covenant faithfulness throughout the generations. It's a it's a type of symbol of the Holy Spirit working working in our family lineage through the generations. And he says, "My brother, my brother put it on eBay and he sold it. And he says it's it's just a Bible. That's true, but in the sense of of a Christian family tracking and tracing God's faithfulness." It's a symbol of God's covenant faithfulness in our family, he said. And so he said to the family, it was like Esau who sold his birthright. He didn't just sell it, but he he despised it, we're told, in Genesis 25, 34. It's seen as a, a fruit of unbelief, you see. It's seen as, even as a as a contempt of the Christian home that that older brother lived in and was raised in. And so for the younger sibling, it's just a Bible. But the heart of the one who sold it broke his own heart because it was a contempt for the covenant faithfulness of the Lord. What sign is good for you and for me? Men, would we seek the sign of circumcision, of blood, of of cutting off? A sign that we're told in Romans 4.11 is a seal of the righteousness that Abraham had by faith while he was still circumcised. I ask you, what what about the sign of baptism? What of that? The sign and seal administered to Christians and, and their children. It's a sign that distinguishes from unbelievers, doesn't it? It's a sign and seal of the covenant promise that God delivers from sin through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who works faith. But how many? sadly? pay no regard to the promises, to the sign and seal of their own baptism, how many too, like Esau, not only ignore it, but they actually despise their baptism. And for some, the the sign and seal of baptism is is like a hound that that hunts them and and chases them all the days of their life because they know in their baptism they're distinguished because, because they know and they see in their own family members, perhaps a deliverance from sin through Jesus' blood and spirit, who works faith, and they see the fruit of assurance they're reminded of God's faithfulness when they when they go to family gatherings or or when they're around others, and they're confronted once again by the the sign and seal of, of their own neglect of their own unbelief, the sheep-dog of baptism, as it were, barks at the heels through their life. Not all like signs and seals, do they? Some, some would rather live life without them at all. Ahaz doesn't want to trouble God with a sign of deliverance. It looks so pious. No, this is unbelief congregation. The grace of God is present though in this text. Isaiah goes on. Isaiah will speak to him and will bring the word of God Though Ahaz, it seems, can't be bothered. Look at God's grace. God's grace here to, to unbelievers. He continues to call out. He, he sends his servant there to bring a sign anyways. He gives a sign to Ahaz, a particular sign. Look at this secondly particular sign in the text. It's mysterious. In in this text, it, it's somewhat odd here. It's mysterious and odd if we don't know about the Gospels, if we don't know how this is fulfilled through, through Mary and our Lord Jesus Christ, because this particular sign that God gives, it draws our attention here with that word, behold. It's like, listen, pay attention carefully. God takes the choice from Ahaz, gives him a sign that God wants to give him. It's not the sign he may desire, but it's the sign he's going to receive. And Isaiah goes on to give a beautiful prophecy about the Messiah to come. At some point, the fact that that virgin here can mean young woman, can mean maiden. It's not a girl. This is a woman who's not married. And we know that Mary is that virgin. Being young, never knowing a man, Jesus conceived without receiving the curse from Adam. And the announcement in Isaiah is is like God's word of announcement to Abraham in Genesis 17, where he says there, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Word order is similar, the cadence is similar, but here the promise is for Emmanuel, God with us. One writer, he, he draws attention to the fact that this, this announcement actually bears, bears analogy and, and is like other royal announcements that one might send out after a prince in a land is born. He says the pagan world would use the same formula. Behold, right? The birth of a new, a, a new prince is born. And in mythology, they'll use the same type of language to, to announce the birth of of some false god, some false god has been born. But here, the prophet announces the one who will come, the coming King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The prophet points us to the one who will come and to the situation that will happen. It says that he'll eat curds and honey. That re- that refers to to a reference of of the of the um, of the promise of the land that flows with milk and honey. He'll have, he'll have the blessings that the land symbolizes. It's also food. Milk and honey is a, a food for royalty as well. And Jesus not only lives a, a perfect, obedient life, but he ushers in the kingdom of God on earth. And just as Abraham was looking forward in faith to someone better, something better than the land, Jesus brings the kingdom of God. He refuses evil and he chooses the good. And so we can trace this sign, can't we? We can trace it back through redemptive history. We can trace this through, through women who are throughout Israel's history, women who are barren who eventually are given children. Think of Hannah, think of Sarah, and others as well. And even before Abraham and Sarah, there's the promise that God gives to Eve concerning the pains of childbirth, the seed of the serpent being in conflict with the seed of the woman. Two lineages would follow, and they would be opposed to one another. And the fact that she would conceive at all is great grace. Through all the centuries, the people of Israel, they wait. The fulfillment of that grand promise and even a taste of a king like David is not perfect fulfillment, nor the progress and the freedom of Israel through through King Solomon's reign. No, even the great gold and silver that's been stored away in great quantities, the nation of Israel consistently looked for more. By this time in Israel's history, things look quite different, though, than those days of prosperity. Yet, God's people, they're, they're still waiting for this fulfillment, for, for the fulfillment of the promise. And here are the signs, Emmanuel, God with us. It points backwards to the prophecies, and it points them forward as a nation as well. Emmanuel, God with us is fulfilled as Jesus dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Emmanuel, God with us, is present as, as Jesus is present and abides with his church now through his word and spirit. After all, he in, intercedes on our behalf before the throne of God in heaven. Now, even now, he is the head of the church. He is the one, as, as, as Revelation 1 says, walking through the lampstands. Emmanuel, God with us, will return in glory. think of it. Heaven on earth, read through the the book of revelation you'll see I'm not spoiling your your study, your read in revelation to tell you that Jesus wins the heavenly city that that descends upon earth is a, a cube it's described as a cube with with streets of gold, just as the Holy of Holies was was covered in in gold as well. Heaven will be on earth and will encompass the whole earth. No more sea, no more wilderness, no more mission field. Adam was to have dominion over the earth. And Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And in his return, he will be with us in person. There will be no need for the sun, for the Son of Man will be in the city giving it light. What an imagery we have in the victory, the victory of Christ told us through John in the book of Revelation. This text, this text looks forward to the prosperity of, of a heavenly kingdom, of the prosperity of which Israel as a nation is pointing. It points forward to the victory of, of the King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, the work which he would do upon the cross, his his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and his return. Don't you see? Emmanuel, God with us, is a powerful, particular sign. But this sign, this sign has consequence as well. For before Jesus comes, God will do something about the current issue that Ahaz is facing. Lastly, to bring about Christ, there needs to be a continued line of David. There needs to be a people from which the Lord will come. There needs to be a land to live in. There needs to be a people to redeem, and yet there are still things to be done. The two kings that threaten Ahaz will be forsaken. The king attacking will be pressed aside, will leave. Days will come as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. What this means, and part of the the vision of, of the virgin who conceives and bears a son named Emmanuel, is that there will be an immediate effect. Before the child is old enough to eat, the enemies will be forsaken. There will be deliverance from the current threat, you see. But we know that Ahaz fails to believe in God. He, he f- will not walk in obedience and faith. He's made his own deal with the Assyrians. He sent them gold and silver from the temple. He's bought their loyalty. Instead of seeking the Lord, he's made his own arrangements, which will lead to the downfall of his kingdom under his son, Hezekiah. One writer writes, Ahaz asked for the king of Assyria, and he shall have... The king of Assyria. You see, from this, we know the people will be exiled. To use the language of of Romans 1, God hands him over to the desires of his flesh. He wants to trust in Assyria. You want to have deliverance from them. Here you go. Here's your master. You can have them and the slavery that comes from them, the slavery that will come from being a conquered nation. Ahaz will refuse to trust the Lord. And entrusting the Assyrians, he casts his lot with the loyalty of kings who set themselves up against the Lord Almighty, the Anointed One. He will align himself with the princes who set themselves against the Lord's anointed. The same kind of foolishness is present in all those who refuse to bow the knee to our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't, don't we see the need for God with us? Don't, don't we see the need for Emmanuel, our prophet, priest, and king? This is a Christmas text. It's true. It's a, a text of, of the heavenly kingdom. This text is a text that could be, that could be used to thread a needle all the way from, from Genesis chapter three, all the way through the book of Revelation. It shows the need for Christ and the immeasurable worth of our Lord Jesus Christ. What shall you and I say to all of this? What sign would you have? What sign would I have? What would we wish? Well, what of another sign? What of the sign of of the Lord's Supper? We like illustrations, us. We like we like signs. Children love picture books. The images teach us Seems as as much, in some cases, as, as the words themselves. What sign would you like? The sign of the Lord's Supper, of poured out blood, of broken body, for the complete remission of all your sins? The invitation is given, isn't it, for believers to come and do this in remembrance of me, yet how many don't obey the command? How many come in an unworthy manner, having something against another or, or having unrepentant hearts and, and lives, and how many neglect the sacrament altogether by by participating when they should not or or by restraining from the sacrament when they ought to be there, not to mention, not to mention the great temptation that it is to trust the the sign and seal instead of the one that it points to the one which it proclaims. See, God gives signs. And isn't it true? Some despise the sign. Others ignore them. Some refuse to look where they're pointing. Some refuse to be saved through Christ and his poured out blood as a complete remission for all our sins. And yet God's people are to make proper use of the signs and seals, using them according to the command of Christ and trusting him alone. For our salvation. So where does Isaiah 7 leave us? Well, it leaves those out of Christ warned. Because without Emmanuel in your place, what shall you do with the problems of this life? What shall you do with the problems of the life to come? Indeed, you cannot delay but to put your trust in Christ. For where will you find redemption and salvation but in Emmanuel? In Jesus Christ. And it leaves those in Christ. In Christ with the greatest confidence and assurance, does it not? Not just to face death. Not just to face exile. Perhaps that may be coming. Not just to face persecution, which is what was coming for Israel. But it leaves those in Christ with an eternal hope. A reality of the king who returns. And his kingdom spread throughout all the earth. Leaves us with the hope and a confidence of a city of gold in which the Lord himself dwells. And so princes, princes who are aligned with evil, be warned, O Christian, in Christ, be comforted in the sign of Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.